You know, I said we were continuing this, and last week Jim referred to, and he said he thought he was closing out. I obviously didn't communicate that perfectly. We've got three more weeks on courageous living. We're going to talk, and last week he talked about the stewardship of our finances. But God gives us three areas to very carefully steward. He talks about our, our treasure, but He talks about our time, and He talks about our talents, our gifts. We're going to talk more about the gifts in a couple of weeks. But next week, we're going to talk about courageous fathers. This week, we're going to talk about the proper stewardship of our time. What does that actually mean? And when we see the time as a gift from God, not just something that, oh, you know, I got time for that. It's no big deal. But very often what we don't see is the responsibility God has given us to steward our time as well as our finances, our gifts, and so forth, and let that drive our lives in that regard. So I said again, our series continues, Courageous Living. In Courageous Living, our foundational verse for this still comes out of 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and there God tells us, be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, and be strong. Then you got to get to verse 14, but it just says, yeah, but do all of that in love, will you? I mean, it's one thing. Stand firm, be alert, be courageous, be strong. We got that. But then God always capstones this thing for us, doesn't he? And he says, and by the way, I want you to do all of that, but I want you to do it in love. Sometimes that's not as easy as we think it is, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's one of those things that we find ourselves in a, in a great battle. One of the things here is that, you know, God tells us as we start on this is that courageous stewardship, this time is part two. It's time. And we're going to continue this courageous stewardship, like I said. But in Luke 12, 34, what he says to us here is, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. All too often when we look at that, we listen to that and we think in the term treasure as only being our financial or monetary issues. When we actually dive into this word, that's not limited to just what we have in a wallet or what we have in a bank account. When God says, where your treasure is, He's referring to everything in our lives. He's talking about our time. He's talking about what we do with the gifts. He's talking about all of this. But what do you actually treasure? in your heart. Because when we know and we look at what you treasure in your heart, right, it guides us in how we live. Our big idea is very simple. Each of us should treasure time with God and make Him a priority in our busy lives. I think I misspelled the word up there, right? But I think it was, I had it as would, it should. We've got to treasure our time with God, and we've got to make Him a priority in our lives. I think about the areas of my life and the things that I can control. And we look at this issue of time, God gave us time. It's a gift. It didn't exist before God created time. There was no light. There was no darkness. There wasn't a sun and a moon. There wasn't a day and a night. There wasn't seasons. We got to understand that time itself is a gift from God. One of the things that Mrs. Stecker, that would be Billy, my wife, I, you know, I call her more formally now because I haven't seen her. It's like we just met. I brought a guest to church. You know, I want to encourage everybody, it's not too late to start bringing guests to church. I brought one today, okay? It's been a while since we've seen her. But one of the things she says that 
she dislikes intensely. We're very careful how we use the word hate. But she dislikes intensely when I say, come on, I don't care how well you manage your time. There's still only 30 hours in a day, 10 days in a week, and 45 days in a month. And I don't care how well you manage it. That's the best you're going to get. And my wife looks at me with less than a smile when I say that, which is very rarely after 46 years of marriage, let me tell you. Most of the time, anything I say or do, she just loves it. (laughs) You might as well laugh at that, because when the lightning strikes, we're all going. I'm just telling you right now. This is a joint effort here. You understand what I'm saying? I said, baby, why does that bother you so much? And she looked at me and she says, because you're 75 years old and that's still how you live. I said, okay. I told you a couple of weeks ago, a guy asked me, he said, are you retired? (laughs) I said, pretty much. I mean, you know, I'm not doing much with my life because I'm, you know, older, but I got to do all of this while I'm young on this. But when we look at time and we look at our stewardship, we look at the provider. When I say the word provide, don't raise your hands. But don't we always think of money? I mean, really, if I say, okay, let's just focus on the provider and what you do with it. Isn't our first and normally what we think of, isn't it always money? Why don't we shift our mindset a little bit and say it's inclusive with God provides us resources. God provides us time. He gave us time today, and God provided gifts for us. So when we think of this as God being our provider, sometimes we think in those, and I was processing through this, God is my provider. He's the provider for Billy and I. Summit Church isn't my provider. Summit Church is a place that God has given Billy and I responsibility to steward what He has provided to us. And you know what the biggest thing here to steward that God has given us at Summit Church is my time. You say, well, Chuck, you know, it's got to be pretty easy. You pastors, all you do is preach. Now you preach one Sunday, one message on Sunday? What, it takes an hour to put that thing together? And then what do you do with your rest of your time? I mean, the golf courses are out there. There's actually a little more to it than that. But Summit Church isn't my provider. Oh, by the way, the ministry that we lead, a chosen generation... That's not our provider. We have a publishing company. That's not our provider. I'm reminded again this past week, I'm an assistant football coach for Wheat Ridge High School. Now, I've showed you before, I'm a Nebraska fan, so we don't know anything about football, okay? Colorado, you're not much ahead of us. Let's leave it at that, all right? You can laugh about that, okay, right? So, but the deal is coaching the character coach at a public high school well, that's not my provider either. You see, what God has done is He's given me and Billy the opportunity to steward what He has provided in our lives. That's resources, that's time, and that's the gifts. And you have to ask the question, what are you going to do with that? What is the purpose of all of that right now? So as we walk through this thing, let's start with some real basics on this. I love it. You know, we were, I was having this conversation in our atrium out there. And I said, you know, and it was with Chris, one of our elders, who's the, he's the walking Bible reference for me. 
I mean, if you want to know, and you talk about something, I love being in meetings with Chris as our, as our elder, but as a person, and we'll have a conversation. He goes, well, let me just take you back to the scripture that God uses about that subject. And you go, wow. And he just walks through it. But we were having this, that we can't build our faith on one scripture. That's what cults do. So we've got to use the whole thing. That means we get to use the Old Testament, the New Testament, and they cross-reference, okay? So let's start at the beginning in Genesis, and here's what God tells us here. He says, yeah, I better use the glasses for this. I'm on, I don't really need these. I just use them to look more distinguished at my age. Nobody laughed at that, so it must be working, okay? Now the earth, we're in verse 2, chapter 1, right there. I mean, we could say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We got that. Now the earth was formless, and it was empty. Darkness covered the surface of the water, of the watery, the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. He called the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning, and there was one day. You know, what we know about this is, is that before God, there was no time. Now, we can't make the comparison between our time and God's time because we know and the Word tells us that, you know, a day to Him is like a thousand years. We, we got all that, but the fact of the matter is time exists, doesn't it? Time did not exist until God created time. The seasons didn't exist, the days and the nights. I love it when I go to in Ecclesiastes, and in Ecclesiastes, there's one chapter there, and of course, we know this thing where he talks about time, right? thought I had that marked. Boy, that was silly, wasn't it? All right. And in one set of verses there in Ecclesiastes, I did have it marked, it's what he says in the third, third chapter. And I was reading this this week and that, and I want you to just listen. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. But here's what he says. He starts off with this in Ecclesiastes, and he says, there's an occasion for everything and a time, right from the beginning. There is an occasion for everything and a time. I want to pause and tell you something just in terms of the Bible, and I've shared this with you before that I, I'm what some people call a fanatic. I actually believe every single word in here was inspired by Almighty God. This is His letter to us, okay? It's not a generalization or anything like that. And so when God uses this and He says, time, what God means by that is time. Did you get that? Okay. And all of the translations, time simply means what? Time. God created it. And so as we go through this third chapter, here's what He says. There is, and, and I tell you that because we have put as men, okay, ladies, you got a break on this because you didn't write this, you know, the translations that was limited from you. Now, believe me, I get enough translation from my wife that helps me to understand what it means. She was raised in church for about nine months before she was born. I'm a real Johnny-come-lately, and it didn't happen in my life till much later on that. She grew up reading this regularly in her house, 
we had them at our house, I guess. I didn't, okay? But it says here, you know, the paragraph lead is the mystery of time. Let me just give you some quick theology. It's not a mystery of time. Let me tell you, what there is, is there are two things that we often confuse. We confuse a mystery and a secret. Now, here's the difference. A mystery God holds, and no matter how you seek to explain it, you are incapable of understanding it, and you have to take it by faith. Get that? Now, with that, a secret is different. A secret means I have a secret you don't know, and it may feel like a mystery, but guess what? The moment that you get it explained, that comprehension, that understanding, well, it's not a mystery anymore, is it? What God tells us in His Word is, is that there is one mystery, one mystery. That mystery is simply this. How Almighty God Himself, the triune God of the universe, the Creator of you and I in the universe, could in fact separate Himself from His Son, sending to earth, be born of this earth of a virgin, grow through this, be crucified, dead, buried, resurrection, resurrected, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and there is nothing in science, there is nothing in mathematics, and there is nothing people want to do to try to figure this out. God knows how He did it, and He hasn't told Chuck Stecker, trust me on that. That is a complete mystery. I take that mystery by absolute faith in Almighty God, because everything else He has said has been so true. So very often when we say, well, this is a mystery of God, and I say, well, no, it really isn't. This is a secret. And once it is revealed to you, you go, aha, I got that. Some people have an affinity for Italy. Not anybody here sees, but besides you, there are others. The Italians would say when the secret is revealed, la luce, you know, the little thing where the light comes on. And so when we read God's Word, the things that we go, that's just a mystery, that's just a mystery, and say, no. When you study God's Word, and that's one of the things that we encourage you to do here, one of the things that I referred to Chris, but a great small community group is a Bible study. He says on some weeks, they may get through two or three verses. Some weeks, they may get through a why. Because the secrets are being revealed when you study God's Word and put yourself in the presence of God, and He's revealing secrets. So here it says, the mystery of time. I just want to tell you, some guy wrote that. That is not a mystery. God's revealed the secrets, hasn't He? So when we go back to this, He says, there is an occasion for everything and a time, okay, for every activity under heaven. Now listen to this, a time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time, a time, a time. In eight verses, eight verses, God tells us in His Word 19 times a time. You know, I'm one of these guys who when somebody tells me something, and then they look at me, and they've got that look that I may have a quizzical look, like I didn't truly understand, and they say, let, let me tell you this again. And they repeat it for me to make sure that I understand it, okay? Well, I think God had repeated this enough for us to understand. He holds the time, and you got to picture this. Today you woke up, and God gave you the gift of time. You didn't create this. God gave it to you. So the question then becomes, 
How are you going to steward the time that God has given you? What are you going to do with this through this process? And so when I look at this, I, uh, I was really challenged on this, and I was challenged for a lot of reasons. But one of the things learning, and I'm still in this process, all of these courses on time management, I kind of laugh at. How do you manage time? Or do you get 26 hours? Do you get 30 hours in a day, 10 days in a week, and 45 days in a month? No, it's pretty finite, isn't it? And God said it for a reason, and we understand that, and it's not a mystery. So what God tells us here then is, you know, in Luke, we go back to that Scripture, where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You know, one of the things that we get, and these Scriptures are not going to be on there, but it's, you know, God tells us in Luke, and He says this, simply this, okay, where your treasure is, there will also be your heart. But then we understand this, that God will give you the gifts. How many times have you heard that? God gives you the gifts of your heart. How many of you have things in your heart that God hasn't given you yet? Come on, be honest. Somebody read, yeah, I thought I was the only one in here. So the rest of you, you you're darn near perfect. You've got everything that's in your heart. God's just delivered it to you. I don't even know why you're here today. I mean, because you got everything you need. Your life couldn't be any better, could it? But the reality of it is, we all have things in our heart. I want to go back to a scripture here that, you know, in Psalm 37, there is that one scripture. In verse 4, God tells us this, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desire. How many times has that scripture been abused and misused? Just take delight in the Lord. You be happy, right? Everything's going to be okay. And when you're happy and you delight in the Lord, He's just going to give you everything that's on your heart. Wow. So many of the Scriptures, as we balance this, we got to get them right, don't we? So let's look at it in context of what God is saying there. The psalmist is writing God's Word. Do you know what precedes take delight? It starts with this. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Oh, wait a minute. Can't we just focus on this part about me just being happy and delighting in the Lord, and He'll give me everything I want? I mean, isn't that enough? But then when we look at it in context, then God says, but no, wait, wait, wait a minute. First, you have to trust in God. First, you have to trust in God. That was something I had to wrestle with for a lot of years because I loved God, I believed in God, my dad did, and all of those things. But that idea of trusting God, and let me just tell you, the army didn't do this to me. Now, people say, well, it's tough to be a Christian in the army. I served in special forces, served in two ranger battalions, and that. And you know that mentality there, if it has to be done, then a real leader is going to do it. I'll take charge of this. I got this thing. And so you look at it, and they say, well, the army did that to you. I said, no, they didn't. The army gave me an opportunity for who I really was to do that. And I'm not saying it was right, because what it did was it focused a lot of things where I had to just trust in me, trust in me, trust in me. And then I get this, and they say, well, are you a Christian? I go, well, of course I am. I explained this a couple of weeks ago. And people ask, they said, you know how, if you died, do you know where you'd go? And I said, heck yes, I'll go to heaven. 
They said, why is that? I said, look, a C plus got me through college. It'll get me into heaven. Look at these people around me. The world is crazy. But you see what God says, for the delight and the desires of your heart, there's a process that he takes us through that says, but first, first, he says, you got to trust the Lord and you got to do what is good. I want to tell you, doing what is good in your eyes may not be what is good in God's eyes. Because I've had times in my life where I felt what was good was to retaliate and smack the fire out of somebody. And you know, you feel good. I told them what they needed to hear. I told them what would help. And you can go through all of this type of language and you can go through that type of emotion. But is that what God telling us to do? Because, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. You know, we got that. But he says, also love your neighbor, right? Some of you are living in places where your neighbors aren't that lovable. But he says, still do that. And so God is saying here to us, do what is good. Now, I know we shouldn't add to and take away, but could I just insert in there for you? Trust in the Lord and do what is good in God's eyes. Do what is good in God's eyes. Then we get to take delight in the Lord, and He'll give you your heart's desires. But God's not done yet. Because we think, okay, I got this. I trust God. I'm a good person. Now He'll give me everything. But then God goes on and He tells us a couple of other things. In verse 5, He says, but also now you got to commit your way to the Lord. Now, wait a minute. I come to church on Sunday, and I'm a good person, and everybody at church sees that I'm a good person. I mean, things happen during the week. I can't be the same person there that I am here, because none of you are getting me upset like those people do the rest of the week. You understand? But God is saying, commit your ways. You know, would it be safe to put in there the word all? When God says, commit what? All your ways to the Lord. Everything. Commit it all to the Lord. That makes it a little harder on the trust in the Lord, right? Take delight in the Lord and the desires, right? But he says, you trust in him, commit, and he comes back to this issue of trust. And he will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. So here's where we're at. It's not about time management. It's about priority management. And my control, my control falls into one area, one area. I can't make time stand still. I can't add years to my life. My one choice is simply this, obedience. With the time that God has given you, how you live and use that time, not just for yourself, but those around you. God's laid it at our feet and said, here's your time. And the real question is, are you going to be obedient with that time? I, uh, I look at so many people here that I'm just blown away by their obedience on a simple thing sometimes. I've shared with you, I do a lot better with forgiveness than permission, okay? 
So that's when you all hang on and say, oh, who's he going to talk about now? You know, Jenny. I got two Jennies sitting side by side. Okay, but Jenny had it on her heart when she saw Foster's Closet of foster parents. They take in a child, and they didn't have one before. So unlike our kids in Nebraska that have five kids, so they just keep rotating the baby bed, rotating the other things through, you know, they could rotate about everything but the diapers. You know what I'm saying? That was supposed to be funny. Let it go. But what Jenny had a burden on her heart was, is for foster families that whose heart was to take in a child, but they didn't have everything else that would go with it. Nobody does a baby shower for foster parents. Nobody throws a party and says, here, put your gift list out here at all of the different stores. You know where their gift list hits? It hits Jenny's closet. Because she said, in the time that I'm given, I believe this is how God wants me to steward time. Now, she does a lot of other things. She actually has a job or a couple of them. So there's a balance there. But in that time, as I've talked to her and then I saw the post last week of so much stuff that came in, two things hit me. One was, Jenny, your obedience at Foster's Closet to take care of those kids or those families. But I also thought about the obedience of others that obviously responded and donated there. And she had shown a picture I think it was in your house with diapers stacked, and it had this and this, and how she does all of that, I don't know. But when we look at time, God gives us all the time, but His heart for us is He wants us to have time with Him too. And I tell you that because He wants us to make a relationship with Him a priority. Here's another forgiveness versus permission. Obviously, for the last two months, my wife hasn't been here. I got to see her briefly in Virginia when I flew out there. Her brother passed away, so I got to see her for one night. And we didn't get to bed till 3.30 in the morning because flights were late. And then she zoomed off to take care of her sister in Kentucky, who's much older. And then when she got back for two nights before going to our other son, I was already in Louisiana speaking at a conference. So over two months, I haven't had a lot of time with my wife. You know, and fortunately for technology and FaceTime and things like that, and we we call regularly and talk and with our kids. But over this amount of time, you know, we say, I miss you. Hey, baby, I miss you and I love you. But one of the things that she and I found saying to each other, and I don't know who started it. If it's really good, generally she started it, but we're just going to go with this. But what we said to each other is, I miss us. I miss us. It's good to miss my wife, but I just miss us. We drove back on Tuesday, two cars, or on Wednesday, and we got back in. And the way our upstairs is configured, and she took care of this, but I do my morning devotions and reading in the bedroom in the front, but we have a long, there's a hallway with two big doors, so, and she had made a statement years ago. She says, you know, I wake up and I still feel like I'm all alone because I would be in the office downstairs or something, and I don't see you. I don't have your presence here. I I don't get to see you. And so she was the one that set everything up. So I get up in the morning. I go in, turn on the coffee pot that she bought me and put in the room. says, if you're going to do this, we'll do it right. And I sit there, and when she wakes up in the morning, 
She's normally the later person. I'm normally the earlier person. I can see her walk across the room, or I hear her, and I feel her presence. And she looks down to me. And sometimes it's not even more than just good morning, but just to be in each other's presence. The other afternoon, she was sitting in a chair in the one bedroom, and I'm sitting in the other chair. And I looked down at the hall, and there was my wife sitting there. And for me personally, it just felt good to be in her presence, that we were together, that we are, were right there together. I remember a story that my son told me. He used to drive for a doctor in Louisiana. And I would always ask him after the day, and he went to all of these different places. It was a day-long drive, and he drove the doctor so the doctor could work, and the doctor was mentoring him. But after several months, I was excited, and I asked my son, I said, so what did you and the doctor talk about today? And there was this long pause. He goes, you know, Dad, I don't know that we talked at all. I said, really? He says, you know something I realized, Dad? Early on in a relationship, you feel like you've just got to be talking all the time to each other. You're getting to know each other and so forth. And he says, but when we were together, the doctor and him, he says, it was like our relationship had grown so much that just being in the truck together was enough. Just riding in the truck together was healthy for both of us. It's what we needed. And we didn't have to talk. We were just in each other's presence. And I think about that with relationships. And I think about that, and I know you're, some of you are kind of going, Chuck, really? How long do we have to listen to you talk about your wife? My time frame is as long as I'm here. I mean, that's it. I want to give you three things, okay? Here's three things. One, make time with God a priority. You've got to set this. That's part of stewardship, isn't it? Because don't you make things a priority in the other areas of your life? I can't tell you how many people said, man, we got to see the Nuggets game. I'm stopping everything. i got to watch the Nuggets game. Wow, that's a priority, isn't it? Well, you know what? It was fun watching the Nuggets game. I've only seen two games all season, you know. But it was fun seeing that. But we've got to be careful that the things we make in life scoot God out of the way that I'm just so busy. Well, I'd like to have time to just sit and pray in the morning, but you have no idea how busy my days are. So the very first thing I'm going to suggest to you is make God a priority. We've got to do that. Now, that includes two things when I say a priority. That's time and place, okay? Two things about that, the time and the place. On several occasions, you know, my wife and I said, you know, we need to get out more and just have more dates. We both agree to that. But the problem was we didn't set a time and say, here's a time we're going to do this. Now, we can act pretty spontaneous because we don't have kids at the house. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that helps. But sometimes that doesn't solve all the problems just to say, hey, we're going to take Thursday night. That's just for us. We're going to take this time here. That's what we want to do in the process, okay? So you have to have a time and a place. And I know my life got a lot easier when I had a real clear place, and that works for me. But here's the second thing I want you to get. 
decide in advance what you're going to do with that time. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three things, prayer, Bible, and devotional. I'm going to turn it into a fourth that says, and just spend some time just listening to God. Now, how hard it is when you have so much going on in your life just to listen. Never forget a, a time that I was listening to some pastors, and one of them had been in a group with David Yonggi Cho, who grew this little church in Seoul, Korea, to about a million seven hundred thousand. And one of the pastors asked him and said, "You know, we've listened to your messages, and they're good, but we've got a lot of good preachers that don't have churches of a million seven hundred thousand." We've looked at your credentials. Yeah, you got a doctorate, but the room's filled with doctorates. They said, "What separates you?" And he asked the question. He says, "How long do you pray? How often do you pray?" And there was this silence, and there was this. He said, "No. How how often do you pray?" And that finally, one of the guys, you know, out of frustration, I guess, said, "You know, we pray before meals. I pray in the morning in devotion. Then before he said, but how long do you pray?" And David Yonggi Cho said, "About four hours a day." That's a pretty good chunk. That tells me that's a priority. But one of the pastors asked him, and he says, "Good grief, man! What all can you say in four hours?" He says, "I generally don't say much. I just listen most of the time." One of the most difficult things I believe for Christians to learn and to prioritize is to sit. And listen in the presence of God. Just try that for three. I got to get the fingers right. Three minutes. That's all I'm asking you to do. Set your watch. Set whatever, and think about three minutes. Just three. Without thinking about what you're going to do with your day. You know, you ever have a conversation with somebody and you're looking at them and go, "You're not listening to me, are you?" Your mind's other places. How do you think God feels? Three minutes a day is what I'm going to ask you to try sometime this week, where you don't think about anything, but you just listen to God. But you got to have a plan on this. You don't just start one morning, and go, okay, well, I'm going to do a devotion now, and you sit down, and then you sit there and go, gosh, I wonder what I'm going to do with this. But there's prayer, there's the Bible, there's a devotional. Here's the third thing I'm going to tell you. Ask for help. Ask for help. On a regular occasion, I get notes from good friends of mine. I said we're starting off a new year. Just got one last week. Says I've got this group of guys. Do you know a good book or do you know a good devotional for that? Right. Ask for help. I'm going to give you some places to ask for help. Something brought you to Summit Church. I believe it was God. I don't think you woke up this morning saying, "Well, I don't have anything better to do with my day. I want to try this church out." I don't think that was the case. I think you were brought here by the power of the Holy Spirit with the intentionality of God to connect with you in a relationship. I believe that with all of my heart. But here's what I know at Summit Church: we are doing, and we're going to continue to do everything we can. To facilitate you making a decision to grow in your faith, we can't do it for you. We can present the framework. We can present a safe environment. We can present resources, but saints, none of that's going to happen if you don't make a decision 
that growing in your relationship with God is important to you. And not just important, you're going to do something about it. Now, if your first step to do something about it is to say, one of our staff, our elders, or get on our website and say, what resources do we have there? It's filled with resources. But talk to somebody about a devotional. Where's a good place to start reading? You know, when I wanted to, felt God was just moving in my life, I, I traveled and I was with the Second Ranger Battalion. I get there. I said, okay, now's the time to read the Bible. Hadn't really read it. So I went to the PX, and the only thing they had was a King James Bible. I thought, it's good for King James. It's good for me. And you know what got me through was cliff notes in college. So I said, this ought to work. Why don't I just read the last book and see how this thing ends? You want to be confused? Really confused. I mean, I, I was lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Trust me on this. I'm trying to get through the King James Version of the Revelation, thinking all of the answers will be there. That's not what I recommend to you, by the way. It's not what I recommend. I got some help because I saw what somebody else was using and what they were reading, and I asked and I got help. So my third thing here is, you want to grow? Ask and get help. Whether it's the Summit app, the Bible apps are on there. I just told you, our elder, Chris Dodson, leads an incredible Bible study as a community group. And he's had people punch in. He's got online groups. My goodness. One of the things that as your pastor in this season, I never ever want anybody here to feel like I needed help and I couldn't get any in growing in my faith. That for me as your pastor would be the greatest failure I could have. And we would feel the same way with our staff and elders. It's here, the opportunity, the resources. Now the question is, as God's stewards, what are you going to do with your time? What are you going to do with the gift of time that God has given you? The real question here is, what's your next step? What are you going to do with this? I know there's a lot to think about in this, whether it's just go to the app, whether it's ask somebody, whether it's look at the community group, or maybe you've already got the resources at home. I told you I started off this year, and I already had three years I hadn't used it, but it was there waiting for me, and the timing was perfect. I read it again this morning. Maybe the resources are already at your house, but you've had them, and they're sitting there. All I know is you're not here by accident. God wants to spend time with you. One of my mentors and on our board, he said, prayer isn't about drawing God close to us. God is where he's always been, and he hasn't moved. Prayer is about moving us closer to God where he's at. So the question is, what's your next step? What is God saying with you today? What are you going to do with the, whatever God's tugged down your heart there? And the opportunities are here. Let me pray for you, and I want to talk about our opportunities to respond. Father, we thank you and we love you. We confess, Father, that sometimes we haven't looked at time as a gift from you. I haven't. And I'm sure there's others here that have just taken it for granted. We can look, Father, on a calendar and see when the sun comes up and the sun goes down. 
and we take everything for granted without pausing to realize this day, this time, this moment, Father God, is a gift from you. My prayer is, Father, for each one of us here, that, Father, we would become aware through the power of the Holy Spirit of our responsibility to be a good steward with that time you've given us, to honor you, Father, that, Father, that you can look at what we treasure in our hearts, look at what we treasure in our hearts and know that we are truly yours. And, Father, we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's sons and daughters said, Amen.